The year before Columbus sailed, a boy named Inigo was born in Spain. And yes, he had the same name as the famous character from Princess Bride. So, okay, come on, you Princess Bride fans. Hello, my name is Igor. Oh, yeah, you killed my father. Prepare to die. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I actually discovered this week that the character was probably inspired by the real Inigo, um, who, the real one, as he grew up, took up dancing, fencing, gambling, pursuing young ladies, and dueling. So he was full of himself. He wanted to be famous. So at 17, he joined the army, and he would walk around with his cape flying open to reveal his sword and his dagger. And uh, he was, as one biographer puts it, a fancy dresser, an expert dancer, a womanizer, sensitive to insult, and a rough, punkish swordsman who used his privileged status to escape prosecution for violent crimes committed at carnival time. But God has a way of finding people. And when Inigo was 29, he was fighting in a battle, actually in Pamplona, which is where they do the running of the bulls now. And a cannonball the size of a fist ricocheted off a wall where he was standing, came back and hit him in the leg, shattering his, his right leg. Uh, you know, he looked down and there's a bone sticking out. It's broken in multiple places. And uh, this was all before there was any anesthesia. Have mercy. But they had to do what they could do, so they did uh, several surgeries on him and got things kind of patched up. But the result was that his right leg was now significantly shorter than his left, and he would limp for the rest of his life. His, his days in the military were done. So while he was recovering and completely bored, as some of you who've been, spent long stays in hospitals know, he asked for some novels to read. And his sister-in-law, instead of bringing him novels, she was the spiritual type, so she brought him the life of Christ and the lives of the saints. And he had nothing else to read, so he read them. And those caught his imagination, and they inspired him to devote himself to God. And boy, did he. Just like he had thrown himself into his earlier pursuits in life, he threw himself into God. And he started going to a cave nearby. He would pray out there five, six, seven hours a day. And he went from being a violent soldier for his own glory to being a nonviolent soldier for God's glory. He ultimately formed a movement called the Society of Jesus, or what's now known as the Jesuits. And today, there are 17,000 Jesuit priests and brothers serving around the world, including at many colleges and retreat centers. Okay, now I mention all of this because one of the huge contributions Inigo made was a guidebook called Spiritual Exercises. It's still in print. It's still used by many Christians today. And it's usually called the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius because Ignatius was the Latin version of his name. And in that book, Ignatius teaches us a way to pray called the examine, E-X-A-M-E-N, examine, which is short for examination of conscience. 
So, which sounds very severe, and certainly <laughs> Ignatius, he was a hot-blooded Spaniard. It was, you know, it was intense. Um, but in practice, it's, it's really just reviewing with God your day or a part of your day. The way you might sit with a friend or mentor and just kind of unpack everything that's happened to you that day. The good, the bad, uh, the places where you overstepped, the places where other people hurt you, all of that you review with God. And this approach to prayer has lasted now for 500 years, which I ought to tell you, it's, it's found <laughs> a lot of uh, welcome in the Christian community. And I personally have grown to really appreciate it. I use it, and it has been fruitful in my own life. So when we were doing this series of the prayer lab, where each week you're going to get a chance to actually try out some approaches to prayer, that was one that I immediately was drawn to. Now, the examine has been practiced in a lot of different ways over the past 500 years. In Ignatius's sort of original, it had five steps with wording for each step that I could never quite remember or keep straight. So what I came up with was a simple enough for Kevin version, which has three words. Everybody can remember it and everyone can practice it if you wish. So tonight I want to give you a chance to try out this simple version of the examine. So if you are trying out the examine for the first time, I hope this will be like a helpful on-ramp for you. Or maybe you've been practicing and living in the prayer of the examine for many years, and, but maybe you'll find something fresh in, in this approach. All right, so before you start, you, you settle yourself before the Lord. So just take a couple deep breaths in and out. It's fine if you close your eyes. It's even fine with me if you fall asleep. And St. Ignatius recommends this as your way of placing yourself before God, which is a great prayer. Here I am, every bit of me, ready to pray. Okay, so you might just either quietly or silently say that prayer a few times until you start to enter into it. And you start to feel like, wow, I think I really am becoming ready to pray. Here I am every bit of me ready to pray. And then when you're ready to start, the first word uh, in my simple form of the examine is thanks. Thanks. So we gave you some more space inside your... Uh, Order of worship, if you want to write, you don't have to. You can also draw it, you can do calligraphy with it, or you can just do it without any writing. It's all fine. But in this first step of thanks, what we do is we think back through our day thanking God for things, gifts, things that we would otherwise maybe have completely missed, moments that we saw him working. Uh, Dennis Ham, a, a Jesuit prophet, Creighton University, he has, has this great phrase. He says, the examine is rummaging for God. 
rummaging for God. He says it's like going through a drawer full of stuff at your house, feeling around, looking for something that you are sure must be there. And so what you're doing here is rummaging back through your day in a prayerful manner and trying to see, Lord, what, where were you? What, what, what were the gifts that I received today? What are things to be thankful for today? All right, so uh, why don't I, I'll just give you a couple minutes of silence and you do that. Do we have a couple brave volunteers who will share something you were thankful for that occurred in your day? It doesn't have to, by the way, it doesn't have to be uh, like amazing lightning and thunder. A lot of the things, like I have thanked the Lord for coffee so many times. <laughs> yeah. But actually, right now, as I, was, as I was praying and reflecting, I was saying, Lord, I'm so thankful that Karen is more mobile. That has been such a gift to our home. And, uh, and you know, it just gives me joy. What about somebody else? What, what was on your thanks today? Thankful for Church of the Savior. Great. Mm -hmm. Me too. I'm thankful that my great niece, Estelle, is an acolyte. Oh. Yay. She's about to turn 11. Somebody else? Yeah, Ada. I am thanking, I am thankful for everything, thankful for everything I got. For everything. Even my pain in my leg. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, let's talk about, thank you, Ada, and that's a great segue into something I want to point out. As you review your day, not everything is going to, like, be something happy or joyful. You're going to run into disappointments, pains, hurts, conversations that went terribly wrong, and things that just don't seem to ever get fixed. Okay, so the thing that the examine actually teaches us over time is, as Pete Gregg says, God is not just in the nice stuff. You may find God in, in unusual ways, and it may take time, and you have to be honest, right? So I know there's a glib way that Christians sometimes talk about those things, and I'm not talking about that. 
God is with us in the darkest valley, in our seasons of doubt, and even in our sin. Or as David Benner says, unwelcome circumstances are not a gift, but they may contain a gift. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm not going to ask you to, to necessarily share something, but let's just think about Take a moment. What was something that was hard for me so far today? And then bring that before the Lord. You, you might want to tell him, Lord, I, di I didn't send you with me. I don't know why that happened. Or maybe, where were you with me? Help me see that. I don't know. So pray for that. And if you want to keep pursuing that during the rest of the sermon, that's fine with me. Um, but what, what I'm trying to do in this section is to live into that give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How do we actually practically do that? This is a great tool I found to try to live into that. Um, and what I love about it is there's a lot of days where I don't, th I think, oh, this was kind of a miserable day. I don't know where God was. And when I sit down and actually spend some time, I realize... Well, that's not the case. There were actually good things, and I kind of ran by them. And it also keeps me from getting stuck in unprocessed disappointment. So, you know, sometimes I go, oh, I got to talk to my prayer partner about that, or whatever. It surfaces those. All right. So from this first step, thanks, then we move to the second step, which is sorry. Thanks, and now sorry. I need this step because not only have I received from God today, I have also resisted God today. There have been times where I was not collaborating with him and moving toward him. I was actually resisting or fighting him and moving away from him. And so I have to, I have to go through uh, my day and, and see what's also there. Uh, Pete Gregg says, the Holy Spirit will often highlight occasions when you were selfish lustful, deceitful, pompous, hurtful, unkind, things that maybe in the moment you didn't even think about. They just happened and they didn't strike your conscience at all. But now, as you look back in your day, you go, yeah, yeah. Now, in this step, I find I do not usually write down, held up the Chase branch on Wesley Street. <laughs> and I'm feeling really bad about that. <laughs> What, what usually surfaces for me is things I said that were hurtful or judgmental, thoughts I had towards somebody like, that church leader, you know, whatever. Um, and they are things, though, that if I left those unnoticed, unconfessed, and just went on to the next day, 
they could become and would become more entrenched and more destructive. You know, if there's one brick in the road and I drive over it, my car's fine. But if that's actually a cluster of 20 bricks that fell out of a wall on a construction site and I drive over that, I'm damaging my car. I, I, this helps me deal with it when it's still one brick. Um, I mean, my theory, or my guess, as to why you see this, um, these occasions where pastors behave badly is I think they were moving too fast because they needed to make their church successful. Okay, so there was some idolatry there maybe. Um, and in the process, they lost touch with accumulating things like that. And pretty soon they began to feel, man, with all I give, I really deserve X. Whatever X was that gets them into deep trouble and hurts a lot of people. So what we do in this step is we pray with David. And here, if you turn to your psalm, let's just pray those uh, last two verses of the psalm all together. These are actually good to pray in this part of the prayer if you want to. Saying together, Search me out, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my restless thoughts. Look well whether there be any wickedness in me and lead me in the way that is everlasting. Now notice in this psalm, who's doing the searching? Hmm? God. Not David. So one of the arts right here is that I turn over the search to God. I might be too harsh on myself. I might be too lenient, depending on my temperament, my mood, whatever. But um, when God searches, his light reveals, but it begins to heal. It shows where I stepped out, but it always comes with a sense of, of hope. As I repent and collaborate with him, I can change. So, um, all right, why don't we take a couple minutes, just think back over your day so far, and what would be on your, uh, your sorry list? Do you have something? Okay. Then I just say, I get, try to get as clear as I can on it. What was the sin beneath the sin? And I just ask God for forgiveness. And I don't beat myself up. I just acknowledge it as honestly as I can before God. And I move on. Uh, okay, just a couple pastoral words about this. First one is, 
you might find this step difficult at first. Maybe you grew up in a church tradition where God was always scowling. Or you grew up in a family where God was always scowling and just didn't like you very much. It's going to be hard, right? Or maybe you're an Enneagram. One is, as some of my beloved relatives and uh, family are, and you have a strong vocal inner critic, right? So it might be hard for it to you. I read a great quote in a book Vicki loaned me, authors Catherine Dykeman, Mary Garvin, and Elizabeth Liebert, who say women generally profit more from reflecting on areas of giftedness, graces, breakthroughs, and successes, recognizing how God has brought fruit into all dimensions of life. So if that's something you resonate with, maybe that's helpful for you. But uh, you may need to do some work with a pastor or, or counselor or spiritual director so that when you say, search me, O God, the God you are praying to is a God who loves you. All right, the second thing I'll say is, as I've been practicing the exam, and there have been a few days where I just could not think of anything. And the first couple times that happened, it freaked me out. I was like, man, how deluded can you be? I know I'm not sinless, right? But I've learned to just take that in stride and, and just go on to the next day. My theory is I'm probably missing something, but maybe today I just can't see it. And maybe tomorrow I'll see it. Or maybe God, being like a fantastic coach, knows he can't help me improve my game in everything at this one practice. So he's maybe just re working on something else and not dealing with this today. But whatever, I, don't, I just go on and, and say like Paul, my conscience is clear, that doesn't make me innocent. But it's the Lord who judges me, and the Lord knows. So I just go, well, Lord, today, for whatever reason, I'm not seeing it, but you know I want to please you. And there you go, and I'm going to move on. All right, let's move to the third thing. Thanks, sorry, and now help. And here we kind of pivot. Now that I've thought back through my day, and now I'm going to turn and look to the next day. So here I actually pick up my phone and pull out my calendar, and I pray through each appointment that I have in the day coming up. You know, so it'd be like, Lord, give me your grace to listen deeply to this person. Help me to speak the truth to this person, because this is going to be a harder one. Um, Lord, uh, well, I'll tell you what I usually pray on Saturday night. Help me to Sabbath, because otherwise I'm going, if you don't help me unplug internally and externally, I'm going to cheat and start doing emails again, and I'm going to tell myself that I'm going to do just a few, and then I'm going to get down the tech rabbit hole, and I'm never going to get back out. Well, I don't say all that. Okay. But that's the idea. Now, so what I want you to do right now is just think about your day tomorrow. What is something that you know will be in it? And ask for God's specific help. What do you need from God to live well in that moment or that expectation
identified something? Just raise a hand if, if you have, so I kind of know how close we are. Okay, just maybe one more minute. And we'll move. Now here's the beautiful thing about this. I used to run my life by powering up for my day. And I would go as fast as I could. I would multitask. I was a little insane. Okay. Okay. So over time, what I'm increasingly doing is changing out the gasoline for grace. So now when I hit that appointment, I'm, I'm not like... Uh, kind of running on fumes necessarily. I mean, I might be tired, but what I, I've already prayed through that appointment. I've already asked God for the specific grace that I need for whatever that is. And it's an amazing way to live. And I think it ultimately promotes humility. Because it says, I can't do my day, Lord, without you. All right, so let's wrap up. What do you want to take with you? Um, St. Ignatius required the Jesuits to pray this twice a day, once at noon for the first half of the day and then at the end of the day for the rest. But in practice, most people, if they do it, are doing it uh, once a day. I like to do it at, at, uh, near bedtime in the evening and look back, which is what a lot of people do, but you don't have to. Uh, if you're better in the morning, uh, do in the morning and you can look back over the prior day. Um, you can do it while you walk the dogs. Um, you can give it, as you can see, five minutes. You could give it an hour. You could take it on a retreat and spend a whole lot of time, really. Um, I would say I'm generally in uh, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, I like to write it, but I'm a writer. You don't have to write it. You can draw it. You can calligraphy. You can do nothing. You can just think it out. You can talk it out. And you know what, if you're still not feeling drawn to trying the examine, that's no worries. I actually didn't like it at first. This was an acquired taste for me. I thought it really meant exam. Like, oh gosh, I messed up that, I messed up that. So who wants that? That's no good. And once I realized it was, oh no, it was reviewing my day with God and then asking for grace for tomorrow. I was like, oh, that, that's, that'll work, I can do that. And uh, I think it has helped me live into that great prayer of Richard of Chichester, Chichester in, uh, from the 1200s that got made into a song with God's bell. <laughs> day by day, three things I pray. To see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly. Day by day. Amen.